Well, the Lord is good. All the time. I said the Lord is good. If you believe that, give me a warm amen. Amen. And that's a very warm one. It's good. All right? Let's do it again. If you believe that, give me another amen. Amen. That's a warm one. Amen. amen. All right, we're going to take our seats in a moment, but let's quickly take our declaration of understanding. Once le- well, I believe we all know it by heart, right? Okay, if you are ready, say amen. Amen. Now you're going to say it like you believe it. One, two, let's go. Now I have the Lord, the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I may fail with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I am walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, and pleasing him in all respects, and bearing fruit in every good work, and I am increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again I incline my ears with his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. Amen. And as you have declared, so you will experience today in Jesus' name. Amen. It will come to pass this evening that the word will come expressly to you afresh. Amen. It will give you light. Amen. It will give you direction. Amen. It will heal you in every area. Amen. Just have expectation. No matter how difficult it is, healing is coming for you. It may appear difficult, but the healing power of God is available for you. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All right, let's continue again from where we began last time. We began to look at the workings of prophecy. And Paul wrote to Timothy. And he told him that the prophecy given over you is something you use to fight. Prophecy, I said, is not a prediction. We are not um, predicting when we are prophesying. What prophecy is about is what? As a weapon of what? Warfare. It's given to you like you are given a gun to go into battle. It's given to you as weapon, something you are going to use to execute something on the earth. God has given instructions. He has given commandments. And what you are supposed to do with the prophecy is to use it as a, a matter of warfare, as a weapon of warfare. All right, what did we read from last time? Um, we're writing to Timothy. First Timothy chapter what? Okay. I'm just going to go down to verse 18. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. He said, This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, so that they will be taught not to blaspheme. And then he told him, let me just read in the next few verses. First of all, Then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that they may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable, he says, in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Let me stop reading that there. Now, of course, one particular verse we want here, uh, that's the main text for us, is verse 18. 
He said, this command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you might fight the good fight. That is, I'm giving you instructions in accordance with prophecy. You are going to use my instructions and the prophecies combined, okay, to fight a good fight. Prophecy, I said, is not given so that we will just wait for a fulfillment. Prophecy is given so that we we did what? Fight. You see, Paul added something there. I'm giving you instructions. So Timothy was supposed to receive instructions in line with with the prophecies that had gone ahead. Two of them combined will give him the ability to fight effectively. Last time we now explained that there are three activities that are very important for us so as to have prophecies fulfilled. Now what I'm trying to emphasize from there is that the fulfillment of prophecy requires our participation. The fact that God has given forth a word is not enough to have it fulfilled in a particular generation or a particular time. Each person must do what is required for that thing to be fulfilled. Once God gives forth the word, eventually it will be fulfilled. But God does not measure time the way you and I measure time. So if you are going to live longer and live to be 120 years old, and it's not fulfilling your lifetime, let me put it like this, it's your problem, not his problem. He will just wait to the next generation, or till the next generation. He will teach them, like Timothy was, right, was told here, there are certain instructions with which you also do this warfare. He will teach them, and then they will use those things in combination with that prophecy to bring the word to pass in their generation. If they fail again, he will continue going. I hope you're getting my point. Eventually, he will find a generation that will work with him. Let's bear that in mind. And so three things we said. One, prayer. We need to learn to pray. Number two, there's the, the battle of words and further prophesying. Okay? And then number three, we said the warfare of holiness. That's why Paul gave instructions to Timothy. Now, the thing I said I want to say quickly is this. Let's remember, this life no be joke. I feel like telling everybody that. This life is not a joke. It's not a playground. This life is not a playground. It's not an amusement park. It is not an amusement park. It's not Hawaii. What I mean is that it's not a holiday destination. Please bear these things I'm saying in mind. This life is not a joke. It is not a a holiday destination. We did not come here to come and relax, cross our legs and flinch. Is that that flinch? Is that English really correct? I don't know. But you know what I mean. In case you are listening to this in another generation where the English has changed, it means to just, you know, play around, just relax, you know. You know, enjoy yourself, thank you. Enjoy yourself. That is absolutely not the purpose for this life that we are in. Now, the ultimate purpose of God, I'll be honest with you, is not clear. He did not reveal everything. But what he does each time is to reveal to you what applies to your life, to your generation, so that you can do that which is necessary. Now, what I'm going to say is that why he created the earth ultimately, maybe we will discover one day. 
Okay? But he has given us enough revelation so that we'll know what to do while we are here. You know, prosperity has a problem. And the problem with prosperity a lot of times is that it convinces you to come and enjoy it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. So people take off with prosperity. Anytime you find prosperity, be very, very afraid. Did you hear what I said? Anytime you find prosperity, be afraid. When I say afraid, I mean it. Poverty actually makes a lot of sense. What I'm saying is not a joke. Poverty makes sense. It gives you direction. It gives you purpose. Let me tell you this. I'm not guessing what I'm about to tell you. Hmm? One reason why God makes people hungry is a very critical reason. It's so that they will work. Yes. Many times God puts you in need so that you will look for work. Now, the main reason what he wanted out of your life is that work. But he said, if I give this boy food, he will be too big to take that job. Meanwhile, that is the place where I want to bless him. That's the place, let me withdraw the blessing first. That is the place where I want to use him, use her to bless people. But if this guy comes out of uh, school and I just sambalidate him like they say, was it Zebuda that said that? Give him one fantastically big work. He will not do this other one. Meanwhile, this is where he will, he will affect somebody. This is where he will ease somebody's life. This is where he will hear words like, God bless you. Oh, thank you. The Lord will bless you. The Lord will increase you. There's somebody who doesn't have understanding with him that, hey, that guy is offering. Look at the way he's walking. You don't understand. He's laying up, listen to this, literally treasure in heaven. I tell people, listen, especially young people, ask yourself, what do people need and they remember me? If you can't, you can't think of anything, your life currently is very useless. Absolutely. Pastor Bank, what did you just say? You want me to repeat it? That what will people need and they will remember me? Listen to me, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be big. It can be something as simple as anytime people want to park into a new house, they remember that you come and help them clean. You know what they remember you? I'll tell you. You clean well and you are dependable. Because there are many people around. Cleaning basically doesn't look like a skilled job. I don't know what I get my point. But the fact that people tell each other that you can be called means you have been a blessing. I hope you're getting my point. As a matter of fact, as a young man, young woman in this life, don't ever seek big things for yourself. It's not necessary. Look for, how do I bless people? How will people remember me? That is, when I say, what what will I do? My name, the memory of me, will be good in the hearts, the minds of people. I don't know whether you're following my point. That is, what will people remember me for that are? I saved them here. I helped them here. See, this generation is a real problem. People, young people, in fact, I'm sorry to say, let me say this, that if you are in university, or you are currently undergoing your NYC scheme, you are a copper, like we say in Nigeria, you bear it in mind. As of today, coppers are notorious for being lazy and undependable. Yes, generally. I know you are one that's unusual. But generally, generally, I hear employers talk all the time. I've seen people who they sacked all their coppers in one day. They're working for somebody, you know who I'm talking about. Gave you accommodation. The fellow is going to work and say, okay, we are coming. Your boss. 
who has a family, who has children, has gotten the children ready, dressed up, and is going to school or going to work, wherever. You people are still in the house. And when you see your boss, I say, we are coming. As at that point in life, you are not going to do well. I mean, like, you need to do something else. Because right now, you are cursed already. I don't know whether you are getting my point. I'm quoting scripture for you. At that point, you need redemption. And sometimes, you should quickly, next morning, eh? should be awake by 5 a.m. 6 o'clock, you are downstairs. Assuming you are living upstairs, you are waiting to go out. Now, I'm, listen, this is one thing I've seen again and again and again. I've talked to people that need coppers and all of that. You see, we're looking for staff. So why don't you go for NYC? They say, NYC, what? Me? Bring coppers here? I don't want to die. Part of the problem is a Nigerian problem, right? All I know is that, see, it's unusual. It's not a usual, regular thing for you to see that somebody took loan to go to school and has to pay back afterwards. We are used to either my parents pay or my uncles will pay. And if they don't pay, they are wicked. It's an entitlement mentality. And my uncle has money. You go abroad to America, there are people that they have money, but they tell the child, I'm not paying. And the child is not particularly offended because it's not unusual. He gets to class, half of the class, they are like that. They are having student loans. They are working part-time jobs. You understand? So they grew up with this culture of, come on, nobody's going to give you anything free. But Africans generally, or more. Let's not say more than that. God will help us, amen? amen. That reputation is horrible. You know, I say things like this also, just to help young people. Ask yourself, how am I blessing people every day? The first thing you need in life is not money. It's not. Your life is an open field. Farmland, that's what I'm referring to. The first thing you need in life is not harvest. What do you need? Seed. So one day you are given an open field. Go out and go and start planting. Go out and go and start planting. People want to make money quickly. See, if, if the Lord were to give you a lot of money in one day, of course you will waste it, everything will finish in the next few days. That's just the way it works. But the most important thing is that, if I remember I saw this video, I don't know where I saw it, it's a real-life video of one guy who won uh, one of these American big uh, lotteries, one of these big ones. The guy won me for something million dollars or so. So did a video about his life, and he wakes up in the morning, and the idea is, that, why do I have to work? So he's convincing all his siblings, we don't need to work anymore. There's money to be spent. I forgot. I can't remember. The, this really happened. I saw the video sometime last year, but I can't remember the details. What happened to the fellow? But because his life didn't turn out well, okay, it didn't turn out well at all. He, he used to wake up every day for how do we spend money? Now this is what's going on. What, what he didn't realize. He's no longer having any seeds being sown. It's not a blessing to anybody. Whatever skill God has given him, he will not use it to bless anybody because it's is. Why should I? Why, why do I need to do it? I already have money. So the reason why God denies us money a lot of times, he says, no, if I give you money, you won't do what I want you to do. Go and work. So the motivation for the average person is what? To earn money. But no, that's not God's motivation. That's your own thought. But really, in, your, in God's heart, this is how I get you working. Like, you know, we say jokingly sometimes, as if you just wake me up one day, just give me $100 million. I won't, just, I won't go out for one week. That's exactly why God is not giving the money. Because you see, 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 this boy will not do anything. Invite him to come and preach. He will not go. Are you getting my point? <laughs> now, I wouldn't do that. I'm just trying to illustrate something. Okay? And the truth is that if you gave me $100 million now, 
I, I wouldn't behave like that at all. I have enough. I have too much sense now. God has helped me. One thing I just won't do is I won't tell anybody because if you wonder why are you still working, <laughs> do you think I'm stupid? I hope you're getting my point. So that you don't infect me with your foolishness, I won't tell you. <laughs> just lock the money somewhere and go out normally, like nothing's happening. You understand what I'm saying? You know, sometimes eh? <laughs> this is just a joke. You know, even as a preacher, God uses it for preachers too. You know, as a preacher, if you are hungry, you get an invitation, you go go. But when you are full, like, who are those inviting me? <laughs> Look at who are those people. I let them go. But well, bros, if you never work, and you are who you are not doing anything, there's some primary school children that are doing fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier for God to tell you to go. <laughs> you know, the, the way the Lord uses this, that's why Paul said, let him that doesn't work, not what? Eat. That's the reason. It wasn't, he said, let him not eat. He said, give him motivation to go out. What I want to say will sound hard, but I will say it. If you have an able-bodied man, woman, every day begging you, bro, find me something, now. may I just buy something? Find me something. After a while, don't give him again. If you continue, you're a wicked person. Don't give, but people think that you should. You know, you're help, no, you're not helping him. He said, what if he comes to me again? Give me work to do. Say, I never wash my cow. Say, I never wash your cow. I never wash up. Yeah, wait whether he will volunteer. If he doesn't volunteer, don't give him anything again. If he volunteers to wash the car, yeah, give him one five, which is what you'll have paid at the car wash. Give it to him. Stop making people, you know, lazy. One of our brothers once, I was very angry with him. In fact, that day, I, I, I told him, like, next time I catch you, I will flog you. It was telling me a particular story. He said, this guy will come and ask him for this. I said, and you kept on giving him? Why didn't you tell me that? That's what I will abandon. Next time he comes to your house, don't give him a dime. Then he will get up and go. And, you're, not, you're not sick. Nothing's wrong with you. David Paulson said one day he sat in his house. One young man came to see him. About his life. He was discussing the guy's life. The guy's been going to school. The guy has a first degree. Has a second degree. He's doing one diploma. He's doing this. He's just doing courses. One course after the other. This is in the UK. So I was looking at the guy. So after a while, the, the, the person said that, um, so they were serving the person's food. So they served. So the person said, I was looking at the guy. So the young man now said that, I, I thought you were going to eat. He said, yes, I'm waiting for you to go. <laughs> the person said, yes, certainly, I'm supposed to take my meal, but I'm waiting for you to go. So the young man said, uh, sir, I was kind of hoping I could join you. The person said, not in this house. He said, I will be disobeying God if I allow you to eat. He said, you can't eat in my house. You don't work. Say so you are a, you are a parasite in the society. Told the young man straight. You've been, all you've been doing is applying for courses, scholarship here and there. Say, when are you going to contribute to this society? He said, my Bible forbids me from giving you a meal. The young man looked at this preacher's face. Got up and left. And the person went and ate. Nothing for the guy. The guy came many months later. He said, sir, you can give me food now. The man said, oh, come on, come on, eat. He got the point. The young man left and went and got a job. And started contributing something to the society. Please, I hope you are getting my point. Life, let me go back to where I began from. Life is not what? A dest- it's, not, it's not a playground. It's not a holiday destination. God didn't send you here to come and find where life is more, most comfortable. Life for us is a battleground. 
We go through tough times so that we become something. Like it's been said, the greatest reward for a man's labor is not what he gets from it, but what he becomes by it. We become tough. You know, I used to be a very impatient person. I'm still working on my patience. I've not reached there, but I've gone far. Maybe I started from point one, and we're going to 100. Maybe I've reached 50 now, I don't know, but I'm going, I'm still moving. You know one of the things that taught me patience? The irresponsible way Nigerian drivers drive. I had to learn patience. If you don't drive on Nigerian roads, I think they said we are like the, I used to think we are the worst in the world, but I found out we are like number three. Our own is really bad. I used to get angry. Then after I got angry for like 10 years, and nothing happened. Now I'm so patient. No, I'm not fully patient here too. Depends on the kind of car I'm driving. If my car already has dents, enter my front first. <laughs> but I don't react the way I used to react. Now, the emotional reaction for me now is much less. It's much less. It's much less. Like, I don't expect better. Like, one, one guy this morning I was driving to Ituku, that side. We're approaching one checkpoint and all of that, you know. So, you know the way they are. They don't begin to come from every side. The guy went off the road, came down. Then he now got to where the barricade was. He now cut in. He now gave me a hand like this. I just did good. I said, no, they there. You put, it's kind of like, oh, you put the nose. I said, put the nose there. He, I will change the contour of this, your nose. <laughs> <laughs> when he looked at me, we can't so it. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is good. The point I'm making is this. Do you know, I realized over the last few days that men have learned patience driving in this my country. Honestly, I am so, I'm much, like I told you, I've told you I'm not, I've not reached there yet. But in all honesty, I am much more patient than I ever would have been if you had just planted me to be driving in Europe and not America alone. Even though now in Canada, to drive is not even possible. What's the name of that city? The trucks are blocked everywhere. Somewhere there, Shadin. But generally, if that's where you've been driving all your life, you know, don't want to be telling us that um, they are making driverless cars. See, the technology to make driverless cars for Nigeria right now is 300 years behind. We never. I'm just looking at Elon Musk. Come and put your car in Onugo on the Chai Express. What are you saying? Put that car from here to Ituku. If he makes it to Okemite's Junction, then... <laughs> In fact, let's not lie. The car will get confused. It will park by itself. <laughs> Just see the car shut down. And remember, when we were talking about this driverless car, this kind of thing, you won't understand until you get to their country. Those cars read road markings. They read road signs. They read everything. So they expect a particular kind of behavior. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Tesla on our road. When Keke enter in front. <laughs> the computer cannot process fast enough to stop. Only a human being can stop. <laughs> but the point I'm making is, do you know, having been in that kind of environment for a long time. I have, I have uploaded patience to my soul. I've written some special codes on patience that Tesla and the whole factory, 
They can't write in one generation. So for us to become something, God places us in different difficult circumstances. Whatever situation you are in, learn your lessons. The more you complain, the longer you stay there. Learn your lessons. Learn your lessons. It's very important. It's very important. And listen, even if you are the one that made the mistake that I got you, they still learn the lesson anyway. Please, you must learn your lesson. Because in this life, you came for training. You endure hardship as a true soldier. What am I going to emphasize? Please, let's not look at life as what? Holiday, you no know, destination. It's not. It's not marked by how much you enjoyed. It's how much you fought and how many battles you won. That's what puts medals on your chest. I hope you're getting my point. That's it. That's why you hear Paul say, say things like, fight a good fight. Because he understands that, he understood that once you are going out, is what? Fight. It's, it's warfare, it's battle. Fight a good f- fight. So he told uh, uh, Timothy here, prophecy was given to you. In accordance with those prophecies, I'm giving you instructions. What are you supposed to do with these things? Fight. Our emphasis on, on the prophetic aspect. Prophecy is given to fight, for fight. It's a weapon. It's a weapon. Now, why I said everything I said in addition to that, is that let's bear it in mind that we are at war against an enemy that does not want the prophetic word of God to be fulfilled. I hope you're getting my point. We are at war against an enemy that doesn't want the word of God in our lives or in our environment fulfilled. I have found that God has a plan, of course you know that also, for each individual, for each nation, for each descendant of Noah. Let me use that expression. I don't have any doubt in my mind about it. Now, when God has done something, listen, many times that thing is not yet physically revealed. He will say to Abraham, a father of many nations, I have made you. And many nations do not appear in Abraham in decades. After a long time, Abraham gets one son, and God rejects that one. That's Ishmael. After some time, he gets another one, and that's the son of promise. And you're talking about a father of many nations. But no God keeps saying, a father of many nations, I have made. So what happens is that spiritually, God has made. Then Abraham has this duty to walk with God until the righteousness of God is demonstrated. I hope you're getting my point. Abraham has a duty to walk with God until the righteousness of God is demonstrated. That's, that's the assignment he has. And that's what we've been talking about. So there are three things we said. One, we pray. Two, we continue to prophesy. With that, we fight the battle of words. So God wants to, listen to this, it's a matter of fact. He wants to redeem, you know, we're using our nation, Nigeria, as an example. And I've studied the scriptures enough now to know that God actually, you know, I was reading somewhere recently, and um, something hit me. Hey, I don't want to waste time looking for it now. So a few days ago. Okay, and I know how to find it. Yes. <laughs> I like smart Bibles. And yeah, it's Romans chapter 15. No, no, don't open to it, don't open to it, don't open to it, don't open to it. Okay? But what, what, I, want to see, what I want to bring out is that I found out from my scriptures 
that actually God, you know, has a plan for every nation. No, the important thing, so what we used to think is that he has a plan for the nation of Israel. And people speak as if the rest of us are an accident. But I found out, if you read from Jeremiah, he's there also. God gave prophecies concerning the nations around. He told them, in fact, let me just read this to you quickly. Jeremiah chapter 12, don't open to it like I said. He said, Thus says the Lord concerning all my wicked neighbors, who strike at the inheritance with which I have endowed my people Israel. Behold, I'm about to uproot them from their land, and will uproot the house of Judah from amongst them. And it will come about that after I've uprooted them, I will again have compassion on them, and I will bring them back, each one to his own inheritance, and each to his own land. Then if they will learn the ways of my people, to swear by my name as the Lord lives, even as they taught my people to swear by Baal, if they will learn this thing, to swear by my name, they will be built up in the midst of my people. It dawned on me that the Gentile nations, God also had, had a promise for them. I don't know whether you noticed that. Yes, that's in Jeremiah chapter 12. I just read for you now. God had a promise. So, you know, but just that, you know, to Israel was committed the what? The oracles of God. So, these things were recorded for our learning. Now, that's an aside. I just wanted to understand something. So, having looked at it also, I found out that God carved a nation like the one we are in now, okay? And it deliberately multiplied us. Now, please listen to this. It sounds prophetic to me. Yes, it is. It deliberately multiplied us and aggregated us as, you know, a... We claim so many tribes and tongues, you know, in this nation. There are over 200 different distinct languages spoken in Nigeria. Do you know that? You are aware of that? Did I give you a wrong figure? No, I didn't. Yeah, there are over 200. You know, when they start listing them for you, or you hear them speak, some of them, straight from Tower Babel. <laughs> they are still speaking the original language. <laughs> There are languages here in Nigeria. You wonder, where did you come from? Let me not mention anybody's name now. Before some people may not like what I'm saying. You go to, you go to South South, you hear some language like, ah, what are you saying there? Say, so I don't need to be filled with the Spirit. All I need to do is just copy you. Am I speaking in tongues? I hope I get my point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You go to, ah, you know, I said in Northern Nigeria. And I said, I, you know, when you're in the South, many people in Southern Nigeria just think that everybody in the North, they're also learning for where? And it insults a lot of those tribes there. Yes. When you call them Hausa, they look at you like, did you smoke something? They are angry. Even though most people up not are not Hausa. Hausa is a language that they mostly speak for certain reasons. It's a language of commerce, you know, because of the way things used to be those days. So, but most of them are not. Where I served, people there are mostly Jibawas. Most people listen to me have never heard the word Jibawa in their lives. You know, there are, diff- there are so many. And one day I was listening to um, Professor Mamsa. They won't know Mamsa. You will know Mamsa. Jerry Ghana, yes. See? Some people say, what's Mamsa? Look at the way Dean Woke is looking. Looking confused. Now he knows life. Mam passed my. <laughs> Mamsa was Babangida's days. Babangida became head of state in 1985. All right? It's the days where we call Mamsa. It was a social mobilization program. And the man he placed in charge is, um, was um, Professor Jerry Ghana. When I heard Professor Jerry Ghana speaking, and he described how the logic behind creating Nigeria as one country. And when I heard it, too, I was moved, actually. You know, all this, um, when um, Nam Dikano was making a lot of noise and uh, the other guy, 
Uh, and Sunday, we will make a lot of noise, and two of them are not talking much these days for certain reasons. You understand? <laughs> and so people were just talking, you know. They, so he spoke. Some people went to visit him, and he was explaining. And I gave the history that they are the host community for, he's from Niger State, I think, yes. So they are the host community for the FCT. FCT, you know, Nasarawa, Niger, a lot of their land was taken to build the FCT in Nigeria. So they are, they are part of the host community. He now gave the history of the country that when the British were about to leave, they had a problem. They understood that Western Nigeria, most people spoke the same language, they could stand as one nation. They were big enough. I mean, they would be bigger than many countries in Europe if you carved uh, Western Nigeria into one country. That if you came to Eastern Nigeria, you could do that. They, then you go to Northern Nigeria, you could carve the houses. You know, there's a way he, he explained it. But then the midst of all these people you have mentioned did not have these plenty small, small groups. Plenty in the South also. You go to South South Zinam, look, small, small, different ones all over. In fact, you know, I went to university in um, the then Bende State, which now later became um, uh, Edo and Delta, okay? When they were, of course, news would come in English language, 30 minutes, they do not go to the local language. And we used to listen to news, I can't remember now, in at least 10 different languages. Each one was two minutes. Yes. Hmm? Same with River State. They start giving you news in small, small languages, and you'll be looking... So Professor Jerry Gunnar said, listen, that that was a problem. So to solve it, I'm giving you what he said. Please don't come and argue with me because you disagree with Jerry Gunnar. I'm quoting Jerry Gunnar because some people now, they've taken to Twitter. Pastor is not so. Please leave me. Don't miss the spirit of what I'm saying. I hope you're getting my point. Uh-huh. So Prof said to solve it, eh, the British found it easier. To just, they didn't want to create tiny minorities. So just mix everybody up. So everybody is technically a minority. Think about it. If you take the whole of Western Nigeria and compare it to the rest of Nigeria, they're a minority. If you put the rest of Nigeria as one, they're a minority. They're, they can't dominate anybody. If you come to Eastern Nigeria, the rest of the country, you become a minority. Do you get my point? Everywhere you go, the truth is that even the pure houses, with the, amongst the rest of the country, they are a minority. They are. Now, that's the physical thing. That was, okay, let me just finish that. So that was their own logic for building what they thought to be a stable nation. Now, you can disagree with them. I'm not trying to say it was right or wrong. I'm not even trying to analyze it at all. I'm just giving you information. There's only one thing. You can quarrel all you want. One country be, is also like that in the world. Which country is that? United States of America. They are also a thorough mix of all kinds of creatures. All these people I mentioned in Nigeria, now they, all, they all have representatives there. A lot went by force. Those days, with slave trade. Many went voluntarily as slaves. Men went voluntarily as free men and women. I'm telling you the truth. Okay? Um, what's the name of our guy? Kaduna Governor. Erifa. He said something long ago which is very, very true. Okay? You can disagree. You may not like him. Some people, when they don't like somebody, anything he says is wrong. They don't care even if he says good morning in the morning. You say it's not true. This guy wants to deceive me. 
Let's go and change. Just because you don't like the person, all right? So please suspend your like or dislike for him for a moment, okay? But he said the fact that we are so diverse is not the reason why we are having problems. He quoted United States. They now quoted Somalia. Said they are over 90% one tribe speaking the same language, over 90% Muslims. They've not been at peace forever. If you know what I mean. He says, so tribe cannot be the problem. He said, they are mostly Muslims, 90-something percent Muslims. 90-something percent speaking the same language. I'm not talking about Arabic. They are native tongue, the same. They're essentially one tribe of people. How come they're always fighting and bombing? I said, what? The guy said, that cannot be the problem. I hope you know Spain also have IPOB. Spain has IPOB. Catalonia. Yeah. Uh, oh, you think because it's Europe? They sent Nam the Cano of Spain to prison. Tried him, convicted him, put him and his guys in jail. Finally was released. When was it? Was it last year? They released him now. Yeah, they, I think they released them. They had some negotiation and deal and everything. They organized a referendum and they said that was treason. And they packed him and all his party members tried them, found them guilty, and imprisoned them. They didn't shoot anybody. We're not talking about our own people here. So don't even think you have a political solution to anything. You don't. It, it pains me when Christians gather, especially our senior prophet, senior prophet, genuine senior prophet. You know who I'm talking about. That's one thing I don't like about him, because I feel as a prophet, you shouldn't be too into political solutions. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be. These things are spiritual. The foundation is spiritual. I am convinced. I don't have a doubt in my mind. God mixed this up to demonstrate his righteousness. In the whole mix, which he called Nigeria, he didn't put anybody that's not black inside there. He could have. He could have brought Arabs. He didn't bring them in. He could have certain parts of Eastern Africa. He mixed them with Arabs. He didn't mix these ones with Arabs. He didn't mix them with Chinese people. Southern Africa was mixed with Chinese people. He did that deliberately. But they came here, he said, no, 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 make, make sure everybody is black. They became the largest black nation on the earth. I know the truth. He has a promise concerning that arrangement. It's a divine arrangement. Now, this is what I believe. I believe it's part, now, this is not the full thing, okay? That's why I say part. It's part of the demonstration of his righteousness. Because when I've been Criticized by those who thought they knew, all right, on this before. They've been criticized that they know what I'm saying is not true. But what I'm saying is very, very true, very scriptural. Especially since I didn't really read it anywhere. I had somebody glimpsed at it, no, no, gave me a snapshot some time ago, but it was from my own personal understanding and study that I found it, and it's in scripture. I found out that when Noah placed a curse, that curse survives till today. When he said, curse be Canaan, a servant of servants he will be. I'll begin my point. I've explained before that it was Ham that sinned. Yet, the curse went to Canaan, one of the sons of Ham. Remember, Ham had how many sons? Four. Ham, one of the sons of um, Noah. The sons of Noah were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, Ham sinned, and the curse went to Canaan. Meanwhile, he had four sons. Cush, Put, Mizraim, and Canaan. So why would he say, curse be Canaan, when Ham sinned? I've read all kinds of things. 
I'm sorry, I'm not convinced. My, what I'm convinced about, and the rest of the scriptures, you find things like that, is that, as a matter of fact, the curse went to harm. But the narrative we read, or we read now, was written by Moses for Israel. The nation of Israel leaving Egypt. And for them, they were going to take the land of what? Canaan. So many of us don't know Canaan was somebody's name. So we, are, we should actually have said the land of who? They were going to take the land of Canaan. So most of their thoughts were narrowed to that Canaan issue. Many of us may not realize they were actually coming again from the land of another descendant of Canaan. who I don't know for sure. By that time, the land probably also had been taken. The land of Canaan was being taken of um, Ham was being taken from different places. Did I say something here? I said they were coming from the land of who? Another descendant of Ham, I wanted to say. Yeah, I wanted to say Ham, yes. Another descendant of Ham. That, you understand? Now, many people don't know this. What you call Egypt today was not the original Egypt. The land is the same Egypt, but the population is not the same Egyptians. They've been replaced. Their land has been taken. Anybody don't know that? The land has been taken, guess by who? Mostly. Descendants again of Shem. <laughs> These are some of the fine details of life many people don't know. So when you're shouting Egyptians, the Egyptians you see now, you don't see them anymore. Those guys are no longer seen. What God told you at that time is true. For example, the Egyptians you see now, you won't see anymore. It, those Egyptians, you don't see them anymore. The ones they call Egyptians now, now they are not the original Egyptians. So land gets taken. Again, let me not get too deep into it, the issue of remnants. When God wants to demonstrate his righteousness, if he does not want to totally finish a people, he will not leave remnants. I believe he left most of Africa down there, beyond the northern part, that is the lower part, for later, reserved to demonstrate his righteousness. I don't have any doubt in my mind about what I'm saying. No doubt. And listen, whether you like it or not, see this nation you call Nigeria has been blessed. You know, you don't know how blessed the country has been until you go around to what the other black guys do. You will feel sorry. No, because we stream, there are many things we find hard to say. We will say it. Everybody that doesn't like it, what's the worst you will do? Cancel us on social media. Who cares? Please, eh? don't be angry with the white man that discriminates. If you were him, you would do the same. You would do the same. You know, sometimes blacks do something that make me laugh. You know, I pick one black man that did something great. I want to show the fact that blacks can do anything. We know if they remove the curse from your head, you can do anything. We know now. The biology is the same. The difference in the genes of a white man and a black and a black man is not more than the difference between one black man and the next. Our genes are ninety-nine point nine and above identical to each other. So if you put a white man beside me, the difference between me and him is not more than the difference between me and you. So we are the one single biological 
race of people. The difference now is spiritual. It's spiritual. There's a, there's a spiritual background to all these things. There's a spiritual background. So it's not really a physical thing. You can't use physical analysis to explain the underdevelopment that characterizes the African continent compared to others. You can't use physical explanation just to explain the reason why India will have a caste system and go and look at those they put at the bottom. When they said the servant of servants, it wasn't joking. There is something about it. But again, I'm not trying to magnify that. What I want to magnify is the sacrifice of Jesus who annulled all of these things. Back to the issue of prophecy. He actually annulled everything. He annulled everything. He annulled everything and issued forth a prophetic word. And he said, there is one body. But listen to me, it's only in Christ that that freedom exists. I will say it again, what I said some time ago. When Barack Obama became American president, the night he won that election, I was among those who rejoiced. The message I preached that day, I had to remove it from our collection because of the shame that Barack Obama brought on my face. That guy made me ashamed. Even though the truth I preached that day, I didn't change my mind. But Jeroboam, if God could feel bad that he made Saul king, how much more a human being like me can feel very, very bad. So I withdrew the message. If you go to that collection, I can't remember one now. Number one on our site is missing. It just starts from number two. There are like six or seven messages, no number one. I didn't change the number. I deliberately made it left it so that you know that number one is missing. I preached that message the night he won the election. And why? Because I had done a teaching about a few years before that on this thing I'm telling you now. I did not even know he was going to win that election a few years down the line. It's just that when he won, it became a material fulfillment of something I preached on a few years before, maybe like two years, not even two, three years before that. So you can imagine my excitement. Except that Jeroboam was not worthy. Now, what am I talking about him? The black people in America, they rejoiced. That night, um, Oprah Winfrey was besides herself. I remember very well that Jesse Jackson could not hold back the tears. He was watching on his screen. Of course, reporters, they, 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 they located him and focused on him. He couldn't hold the tears. He couldn't hold the tears. He saw somebody called call a black man. I said called because it's just 50%, all right? Standing there, being sworn in. Yeah, it was only swearing in. Of United States, as United States president. And the guy was, the tears were running down his face. I remember Didi. PDD. He, was, he showed him in his studio. His, child, his baby was on his laps. And he was saying, now I can tell my son he can be president. My friend in America, he wanted Barack Obama to win. His reasoning was that he said, Bank, if you come to this country, you will know that these black people behave like they don't have hope. He said, so we need Barack Obama to win to give them hope. That's what he said to me. We didn't even know he was going to win when he said that. He said, Okay, no, at that time, he said to me that, to all intents and purposes, he has won this election. Because they could read the mood around. He said, so he's going to win. He said, they are just waiting for it to happen. 
that after that, this black boy is here, we no longer have an excuse. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? Now, I'm going to say something that I hope I've not uh, lost track now. I've spent so much time on that. Almost. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll catch it back. Unfortunately for the black people, they made a mistake. Yes, things play out different ways. There's a way that he won. There's something about it. But when I later on found out the kind of person that he was, which some people knew beforehand, and the kind of person, you understand, that he turned out to be, for the rest of us who did not know, I realized that if the blacks understood true freedom, they should never have voted for him. They should never have voted for him. Let God bring him in through the vote of the whites, maybe. But as a people, he was a horrible candidate for true liberty. They shouldn't have. Because the thing that guarantees freedom for a race of people like the blacks are is only Christ. And you see that Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy, I'm giving you instructions in line with prophecy. Jeremiah, we read it now. In that chapter, was it 12 or 15 I read just now? 12. He said, if you will learn to swear as the Lord lives, the same way you taught my people to swear by Baal, if you will learn the right thing to swear by, the right way to live, I will establish you. I hope you get my point. So you see, freedom doesn't come because a prophetic word has been issued. Freedom comes because you have learned the right things to do in agreement with the prophetic word. Which is why I gave the third thing as what? The warfare of what? Holiness. I hope you follow my point. Why did I say they should not have voted for him? Because his lifestyle, his belief system, his political leaning was away from holiness. And that was guaranteed to push them further into bondage. It was guaranteed. And that's why they now complain. I'm looking at it from a spiritual perspective. As soon as his eight years in office were over, they were shocked that Donald Trump won that next election. And for me, they shouldn't have been, or that they should have desired him to win. Why? Because they were looking at freedom from the physical angle. But what they should have tried to do was get freedom from the spiritual angle. Hillary Clinton was going to send them into spiritual bondage. She was going to do that. How would they do it? Listen, the only way Balak could have won against the Israelites in that wilderness battle, the king of Moab, was to push them away from the fear of their God, which was the concept that Balaam gave him. So if an oppressed people, if they are rising up and you want to push them down, especially in this modern day, you don't need weapons of war. You need liberty. Give them liberty, they will push themselves back into bondage. Yes, give them ungodly liberty. Explain to them that there's nothing wrong with being a homosexual. Explain to them that you can change your gender anytime. If you wake up in the morning, you are feeling so happy and you feel like wearing colors. You're a girl. And if you wake up in the morning, you feel like carrying cement. You're a boy. No matter what every other thing says about you. And they have a right to it. Tell them they can sleep with as many persons as they like. And if they get pregnant, they kill the baby. Give it to them freely. 
Then watch one generation. At the end of that generation, they are back into slavery. There are different kinds of slavery. There's a slavery in which you, are, you bear somebody's name. The blacks those days didn't have surnames. They were somebody something. So if the guy's name was James, and if the, the boss's name was White, he's called White James. They bear the name of the slave owner. There was a time when slavery was like that. But it's a kind of slavery that's modern. You bear your own name, you think, except that you dare not refuse to go to work. If you don't go to work for two days, at the end of the two, two days, you will not have a home anymore. At the end of two days, you won't have that car anymore. You are so much in debt, you cannot even see straight. My friend told me about one, he, the, my friend was telling me about earlier. He was talking about the patient he had. He's a, he's a physician. That is when he was in their hospital, and they, after the man had a heart attack or something, so they treated him, he was okay. So he had to explain to him that you need heart surgery, coronary bypass. And the man said they should discharge him, he's going. So he explained to the man, say, please, let me explain to you. If you get up, trying to leave this hospital, you may drop dead at our gate. That please, remain on admission while we arrange for you to have coronary bypass surgery. And the guy looked at my friend and said, you don't understand. I have to work. And he got up, discharged himself against medical advice, and walked out of the hospital so he could go back to work. When his doctor just told him that, there's no guarantee you will survive 24 hours. I even think there's a good chance you may die at our gate trying to walk out of here. Well, I passed you up now. The guy said they don't understand. They have to work. That is slavery. <laughs> In one of these West African countries, the villages, they have what they call it Italian wives. Yes, that's what they call them, Italian wives. What are Italian wives? White girls who came to marry African men. No, 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 no. There are normal African young ladies in their villages who married men who went away to Italy. So they call them Italian wives. Why do they call them Italian wives? They don't have husbands. The guys have gone to Italy to go and look for work. The funny part is that these men walk from one plantation to another. Where the slaves used to walk? I'm telling you, as of now. They walk from one plantation to another and show up back in, I think it's in Côte d'Ivoire. That's Ivory Coast, right? Yes, I think it's there. And they show up once in maybe three years because they can't afford the flight ticket. So one of the Italian wives was walking and she was laughing that she's walking back in Africa trying to do small business that hoping to save enough money to send to her husband so he can come home to visit her. If somebody told that slavery has ended because William Wilberforce quarreled and sponsored the legislation, forget it. There is still slavery till today. There are different kinds of slavery. Many slave, like, do you realize, many people don't know it, that Eliezer of Damascus was Abraham's slave. Let me be honest with you. 99% of human beings will trade places with Eliezer of Damascus. Eliezer of Damascus had control. Until Isaac became old enough, Eliezer of Damascus told Isaac what to do. Go and get Isaac a wife. Eliezer will go into the bank, collect $10,000, put it in one pocket, collect it, and then 
He will sign the check. Abraham doesn't need to sign. Leather signs. And he rides away in the best cars, the, the, the Rolls Royces, and goes to look for a wife for what he calls my master. And he calls the little boy his master. Believe me, if you live like Eliezer of Damascus, I mean, let's just leave it like that. <laughs> the guy was rich. So it's not every slave that was suffering. And it's not every free man that is enjoying. <laughs> there are so many free people these days. They are worse than slaves. One of our brothers took a taxi. He went to, this was in Atlanta, I think. So the taxi man that was driving me around. So, okay, I think we called them, I think Uber or something. So when that guy came, so, was a, so he saw him, a black guy. So where are you from? He said, Nigeria. Ah, he said, Nigeria. What are you doing around? The guy said, I came to school. He said, very good. When you finish, you go back home. Don't move over to this country. The taxi man was driving. I'm warning my guy. I hope you're not planning to come here. He's from, um, I think, Ethiopia or one of those you know, African countries. He was driving. He said, oh, the guy was like, Why? you don't want me to come back? He said, no, 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 please stay back home. Stay back home. Home is good. Home is good. He was explaining to him. Why? He said, this country... Alarm clock rules your life. Is it alarm clock? That you have to have alarm everywhere because you can't be late. You got to walk. You have to wake up. Everything alarm. So the guy was complaining. Alarm clock. Alarm clock. So his problem was alarm clock. So what, why you, you are thinking to yourself, why does he not go back home? It's not that easy. He has already reached, no? <laughs> Going is hard. Coming back is harder. Trust me. He's still a slave. They may have ended slavery by key and chain, but the other kind of slavery has not ended. And listen, that's why Jesus said, if the Son shall set you free, you will be free indeed. Not just as somebody losing your physical shackles. You'll be free inside out. Why did I say the blacks should not have voted for Barack Obama? Because he was going to appear to give them physical freedom but deny them true freedom. A people that will believe, especially when you are coming from that background, they tell, listen, the only freedom is in righteousness. That's why I talk about the warfare of what? Holiness. They should have fought for holiness. They should have refused all the liberal values that people like Obama was pushing to them. They should have understood why we remain slaves for a long time was not because of the mastery of the masters. It was simply because we did not discover the holiness of God. They should have understood that. They should have understood that. They should have fought for slavery. I was in Ghana. I went to visit the Cape Coast um, Castle and the Elmina Castle. And the guide was trying to show us the hypocrisy of Christianity. Because when the dungeon where the slaves were kept, sometimes for months on end, and right above the dungeon was the chapel. So I turned to my guys and I said, this man doesn't understand anything. The reason why this place is not a tourist attraction is because of that chapel. You know the truth? The light shines in the darkness. And that darkness cannot overcome it. If the light will continue to shine, eventually the people will become free. And if the light shines some more and they drink in that light, they become free indeed. But they get temporary freedom. They can't do anything they like. I don't know if they did. They are back in. They are worse than the first state. Why? They get into another form of bondage. They get into another form of bondage. Why did I say they should not have followed Obama? Obama was leading them into another form of bondage. Because he was not pursuing holiness. He was pursuing material freedom. Do anything you like. 
how will the president of the most powerful nation on the earth tweet to congratulate a madman that just went loose? At the age of 62, a man came and said, I'm coming out. You know, we have a say in Africa, when a man is crazy, they will say his madness has entered the market. Have you heard that one before? Say, don't enter market. What does it mean? He has come out. Is that not so? Yes. We, generally, we, we have it in especially southern Nigeria. We have that feeling that if the, if the madman never come out, he can still be killed. Once he has come out, he has become harder. So what I want to do now, they now say, come out of the closet where you were hiding your homosexuality. Come out as homosexual. Come out. So one man came out and said, actually, I've always been a woman. I've been hiding as a man all these years. This woman won Olympic medals running as a man. I think it was a, a triathlon champion. You know, you know, eh? Was it Decathlon or Triathlon? Decathlon. Now, those who don't know what is Decathlon, let me tell you. You would do 10 athletic events. And you want bronze. Gold. This is a woman now. Oh, go, go and read up on Decathlon after. You will do sprint, you will do long distance, you will do long jump, you will do high jump, you will swim. All of this, you know, you need more energy than any woman can ever muster. He said, no, I was a woman all this while. Then at the age of 62, having fathered many children. <laughs> he now came out. The madness now entered the market, according to the Africans. Yes, the madness came out. I remember seeing, was it on Larry King or one of those people? Or Piers Morgan, I don't Piers, uh, yes, Piers Morgan. I don't know whether it's Larry King or Piers Morgan being interviewed. He had changed his, and then, that's not his gist. Mad people can always be mad. That the president took to Twitter and congratulated him. That it takes courage to do what you did. And I said, then, Enugu is full of courageous men. Ah, you don't know courageous men in Enugu? They stand beside a dustbin, naked, and they are eating from the dustbin. You don't think it's courageous? You go and try it. <laughs> they walk on the road half naked. They don't comb their hair. In months, brethren, if I don't cut this in my hair or brush it, in 24 hours, it will itch me till I almost peel it with my nails. Yet a man doesn't do it for months. It takes courage. It takes courage to see a car coming at 100 kilometers an hour, blaring the horn, and you keep crossing like nothing happened. It takes courage. I think President Obama should come and congratulate all our courageous men on the road because he sent a tweet to congratulate a 62-year-old man who said, I now have to be true to myself, to my real identity. So the blacks followed him and went back into slavery. When Donald Trump came, some of us breathed, he said, well, well, thank God. They said, he's, he's, he's racist. I said, you don't understand. Spiritually, he's better for you people. And one day, he warned all courageous people to behave themselves. 
that I have more courage than all of you put together. <laughs> At that time, they had a lot of American agencies in Africa teaching us how to live free as homosexuals, as transgender, and we can abort babies anytime. Donald Trump said, whoa, let me just warn all of you. I'm more courageous than the rest of you. He withdrew their funding on his first day in office. His first day in office, he said, the man is wicked. I said, you don't understand spiritual things. This guy is far better for you for freedom than Hillary Clinton would be in a million years. They don't understand. People, of course, hey, yeah, this man, you know, they, when he was going for the second election, Nigerians gathered in Nature, remember, and did a rally to support Donald Trump. Donald Trump tweeted it. He said, oh, so much. People were saying, why? They couldn't believe that Africans would be supporting this man. They said it's because America gives Africa aid. But they're not giving aid under Obama. But they're not giving aid under George, uh, what they call it, uh, the other before. That's not the issue. And did you know? Did you know? It's just that we have more of a spiritual revival going on. So we look at this man that he stands better for righteousness. People say he's hypocrisy. I say at least he's hypocritically standing for righteousness. Whereas some people are brazenly standing for unrighteousness. Even though they are not hypocrites, but they are opposing God. And he stood in the White House and said, listen, Merry Christmas. I don't understand Happy Holidays. He said, we are celebrating Jesus. He said it. That Jesus is the reason for the season. What's all of this? He said, he's a hypocrite. I said, this is my hypocrite. And the blacks masked, and then they joined to vote him out. I said, yeah, mistake. Terrible mistake. Because part of the warfare for fulfillment of prophecy is a warfare of what? Holiness. So that even if you have been downtrodden, you know what Jeremiah said in Lamentations? Keep your cheek there. Paraventure, he will have mercy. They didn't understand it. I'm convinced. Listen. That this nation, I said along the line, let me get back to it, was created partly to showcase the righteousness of God. That the curse has been removed. That even though he said, curse be Canaan, and in in, in effect saying, curse be Cush, Put, and Mizraim, Jesus said, you have been blessed with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. That's what the Lord says. It's a prophetic word. I have made you a father of many nations. They didn't see nations for years. You have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. You may not see it for years. But then, that word has gone forth. It's supposed to be what? Used for warfare. And you're supposed to learn the instructions that accompany the prophecy. I said along the line that God has a specific word concerning this geographical entity that has over 200 tribes and tongues all of them black people. He wants to make a statement. So he said, to make my statement, I send my people in. How would I send my people in? I send one or two missionaries from here and there. Some came from the north, some came from through the sea, some came from over land here and there, and they raised me a people. They began to raise me a people, and I called them my people in that country. Remember, life is not a destination of pleasure. Remember that? Yes, it's warfare. What is the warfare? To go and showcase the righteousness of God. So he planted us in the nation. And I said, now you have heard the word. What does the word say? You are not under. You have been set free in Christ. As a race. I don't, I'm not talking about you alone. Because you've been blessed to be a blessing. A race of people. I want to show what I did for them in Christ. <laughs> you know, something happened today. I was walking on the road. And again, I understood Jesus again. 
Something led to it. You know, somebody died, some people died over the last few days, who I know, some I don't know. I'm just thinking about death. And so, something came in my mind. And I said, let us assume, now listen to this. Then the Lord came to me and said, Bank, let's strike a deal. I'm going to kill you. But if you agree to die the way I wanted to die, maybe I behead you, throw you from a cliff, you know, have somebody stab you while you are preaching, shoot you from afar, whichever way I want to do it. But in return for that, see all this we are seeing around. They will mourn your death with repentance. I thought about it. That they will say, no, if this man can die, maybe all of us will go to hell. So let us repent now <laughs> so that we won't have to go. And then all the things that he said that he preached as archived in over 1,400 messages on his website, we will listen to and obey. I'm just talking about people in Enugu. Not even the whole of Enugu, just the area of looking at a few thousands of people. And he says, Banky, don't worry. I'll take care of your wife. I'll take care of your natural children and your spiritual children. They will all become great. Do you know? <laughs> I was walking on the road. As I said it out loud, I said, gladly, gladly. Before I looked, I said, people are looking at like a madman is walking past. You know, <laughs> my mouth opened. I said, Lord, gladly. What are we living for? What are we going to do on the earth? I said, Lord, if that is what it takes. Yeah, Lord, yeah. Begin to shoot. Do you get my point? And God is my witness. I was not joking. I said, yeah, okay, what are we not living for now? Ah, uh-uh. Okay, so what is now the life for? If the death will do this. I said, Lord, they hit me again. That was what Jesus saw in the garden. And he went to the cross. He hit me again. I said, oh, that's what he saw in the garden. And he went to the cross. And that is why you and I have an assignment to make sure that which is lacking in his sacrifice is fulfilled. Paul explained it to us is to preach the truth of what he accomplished. That's what is lacking. What did he see in the garden? He saw that the curse of harm will be practically removed. Maybe you don't understand how what slavery was like. Slaves were stacked like goods on ships. Imagine being tied down for weeks at a go. Of course, people die. They just take the dead ones, throw overboard. It's just like you are transporting fowl. There was no big deal. And when we were in the Elmina Castle and the Cape Coast Castle then, that's in Cape Coast in Ghana. In the dungeon, they told us that sometimes the ships delay up to three months to come. And once the slaves arrived, they captured people. Left like that, they are not your slaves. They captured them, sell them. When they arrive, they just marched them into the dungeon. And they showed us one small cell. They know some slaves, some young men were troublesome those days. They would lead rebellion. They would refuse to comply with the rules. So they throw them in the cell, lock the door, and forget them there. Pick up their cups weeks later. They don't feed them. This one is a troublesome animal. Just throw inside, lock the place. One small cage there. The guy will stay there till he dehydrates. Then he will pass out. When they are sure he's dead, they carry him out and go and throw him into the ocean. And the Lord saw and he was displeased. He never likes things like that. Even the judgments he passes on people, he doesn't enjoy it. You think he likes people going to hell? He doesn't like it. So the remedy for those things was what the Lord Jesus saw when he was saying, Father, if it is possible, 
let this cup pass over me. Say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And the Bible says, angels came, an angel came and strengthened him. And I said, what was the angel showing him? It's simple. Angel showed his, just brought out his device. So I showed him scrolling. These are sleeves before this cross, sleeves after the cross. They are no longer sleeves. Just, eh. Uh-huh. Scrolls again. Number of people to go to hell before this cross. Number that will no longer go to hell after this cross. And he kept on seeing it. And the more he saw it, the more he was strengthened. Until he told the disciples, come, let us go. I hope you're getting my point. So that which Jesus died for, which has been issued for as prophetic words, is the reason why this nation exists. Is the reason. Is the reason why we have to fight for the soul of the nation. And listen, the, the, the fight is not political. As I told I was in my mind, I just feel like... And I've tried, tried to tell who knew that our senior prophet to tell say, bros, leave this politics alone. You are now beginning to see strange visions. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. What am I going to explain? Listen, the way out is not politics. Now, when the time comes for the thing to be manifested, it will have its political manifestation. Do you get my point? For example, Daniel prayed. The time came that the vision was beginning to be fulfilled. Of course, a king was replaced and that one was brought online. But the king that came did not even know about the vision. Are you getting my point? Even though he had been called by name long before. But he didn't know about the vision. But he fulfilled the vision. When Alexander the Great was attacking, he spared Jerusalem because they showed him what Daniel said. They showed him how Daniel described him centuries before. Ah, the guy was amazed. So when the time for fulfillment comes, it is not because of your political arrangement. Everybody has his own duty. The church has the spiritual duty. God will move upon the political arm when the time arrives. I said last time, please drop all the, what we need in Nigeria restructuring is nonsense. Nonsense talk from Christians. Christians, I, I give you the instruction of heaven. Stop saying it. Because those statements are made out of frustration. I'm not saying God will not restructure if he wants, if that will serve his purpose. I'm just saying that is not what we what? need. That is not what we need. What we need is what? Thy kingdom come. And we saw last time that Peter was speaking. He talked about we looking forward to what? New heavens and a new earth. New heavens, new earth. And then we can hasten the coming. We can hasten that coming. And we say, let's take a a lesson from that. For the new nation that you're looking forward to, you can hasten the arrival of that new nation. You can. You can. How do you hasten the arrival? Let's go by it again. It's one, prayer. Two, prophesying. And that's the battle of words. Battle of words and further prophesying. And three, offer holiness. If I'm happy, I said something about the warfare of holiness. Because, you see, things don't happen. Okay, let me go back to the beginning. Things don't happen just because they want to happen. They are made to happen. They are forced to happen. And I'm giving instruction by the Spirit to the church of God in this nation. You have to make those prophetic words come to pass. Last time I began by explaining what Pai Elton said. That, listen, it will happen that corruption will sweep over this nation. And once he says that, you must understand, prophets don't see everything. 
with corruption with God, this evil that you are seeing. Because demons, they ride in packs. Demons ride in packs. Seven spirits, more wicked. <laughs> Follow. They went to the man that was you know, demon-possessed, the madman of gatherer. What is your name? He said, Legion. Why? We are many. One spirit took hold of that man and then brought the other ones inside. So when corruption goes in, it brings everything with it. These days, they talk everywhere now. I got into that talk. Well, we were talking about it today. I didn't contribute anything. It was about this um, ritual killing and ritual money. They said one Nigerian made a movie a music, I've not listened to it. Somebody even sent the link that we should watch it. I've not seen it. A musician, as if he glorified something like that, you know? Okay? I don't know what I really did, but I've not seen it. But there was one terrible one that I saw in, um, that, that I, I read in the news in Ogun. Was it Ogun or Oshun? Ogun. Four teenage boys killed a 20 year old girl and started doing ritual they have seen online. Normal ritual, maybe you go to the Baba of the ritual. When did they start doing online ritual? So the guy said he downloaded the video from Facebook on how to do ritual for money. And they killed one of their girlfriends. No. Butchered the girl, cut off her head, and began to do ritual. And of course, somebody caught them. Of course, somebody heard the girl scream initially. I went and got the, the vigilantes in charge of that area. So those ones, by the time they finally found, the girl was already dead. The ritual process had begun. And when they arrested, of course, the four boys, when they arrested them, they said they downloaded the ritual video from Facebook. Excuse me? How to do money ritual? You downloaded from Facebook and killed a whole human being. You think it's just those little boys? No. It's a spirit of the age. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. That's what the spirit of corruption brought with it. The love of money. There's a way the Bible describes it that there's a word like unfeeling, without affection. The latter times men will be without affection. Without affection. Unfeeling. <laughs> oh my God. But this is, of course, the prophecy also went ahead and said it will come to an end. Somebody say amen. amen. And that's why we are preaching. That's why we are preaching. That's where we are now. That yes, it will come to an end, not by itself, but because you and me, we will get up and say, you will come to an end. Please, let me quickly add this one to you before we pray and then we'll close. Satan is always recruiting. I know Satan is always recruiting. And you can't work for two people at the same time. Otherwise, you are totally useless to God. In fact, listen, there are three ways you can work, all right? You can be totally on God's side. Or you can be totally on the devil's side. Or you can think you are in the middle. In which case, you are on the devil's side. This is where I analyzed it. One, totally on God's side. Two, totally on the devil's side. Or three, you think you are in the middle. When in actual fact, you are working for the devil. It's important you understand that because you see, Many people are working for the devil every day. They don't realize it. The devil goes on recruiting. You know how he recruits? It's through words. Look at this country. You have been marginalized. When did somebody from your local government ever make it to be governor in your state? 
or someone from your state ever made it to be a minister for works. He won't tell you that someone from your state is currently a minister for finance. No, 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 don't talk about that. It will create bitterness and anger in you. And you will hate the whole country. And you'll go to church. Let's pray against our enemies. Our enemies die. Even if an astrolog, astrolog will not save you. In the name of Jesus. Listen, all that pray like that. Hear ye the word of the Lord. They are working for Satan. That's what happens. They are offended. Every little thing. If their car spoils, Satan will say, see? See, there's one, there's one children's cartoon I've seen in which one spirit, they call it Akuma or something. Satan has been akumatized. Some of you, your children watch things like that. So you may know. But the rest of you, you are looking at what he's talking about. Don't worry about it. But that Akuma spirit goes around looking for people who are bitter, who are angry. So a little boy can be angry with the parents. They didn't let him play, play at night. He will akumatize the boy. He will become an evil spirit and start disturbing the whole neighborhood. When I saw that thing, I said, whoever wrote this understands spiritual things. Bitter people are instruments of Satan. One of the reasons why God said we should forgive is because he doesn't want Satan to possess you. He doesn't want Satan to possess me. He doesn't want us possessed at all. He said, forgive, forgive. Hey, just forgive, just forgive. Because if you don't, you become an instrument for Satan. I told you before, my classmates have this habit of calling me APC pastor. Even though, in my life, I have never, now I'm saying this because of preaching, I have never voted for APC. How many people in Enugu vote for APC? If you say check up. It's just not our way. That's not how we roll in, in this city. We're not saying APC is bad, though. We just have a PDP spirit. <laughs> Please, APC, don't be angry with me. I'm a spiritual man. But when people heard me speak, you know, I was on radio shortly before the election. In fact, I remember one of those days, the television people came to my office. I don't know. They said they're looking for Pastor Banky. Were you there that day? Israel, you were there that day? Yeah, it was just me and you. They brought their camera, everything, that they should please help record a clip that they will play on television so that people will go and collect their voters' cards. And I did. I had no problem with it. When I were radio one of those days, and by the time I finished speaking, people were angry with me. They thought I was supporting APC. Change is what we need. No, I was supporting truth. I explained to people that there's no, there's no tribal sentiment here. There's no... Um, I tried to explain, look, the sentiment should be, what exactly do you want from the country? What do you want for the country? Use it to make up your mind concerning who to vote for. And one of our brothers who follows this ministry very, very well, when he found out who I voted for, he almost collapsed. He thought I voted for the other party. I said, no. He said, but I heard you preach. I said, point to what I said. Then he realized that it was what I was, that is, when he broke down what I was saying, what it interpreted as in his heart was vote for this other party. So I've been misjudged like that, especially when the government is in power, like my classmates, who are all big men, and were many of them big men, big women, you know, in fact, Nigeria just launched a national um, eye health initiative, something like that. The chairman that was placed in charge is my classmate. Was inaugurated last uh, week in Abuja. You know, so, I, so every day, you know the way people like that, they can talk, talk. I, I seem to always be on the side of government. And I told them, listen, you know my reason? It's because they don't do anything wrong. I said, no. It's about faith. 
Faith is a spiritual substance. We need to contribute faith into the air. We have to believe God for people. I don't know whether you get my point. Yes, I see that's what I'm doing. And I know there are enough critics out there. They don't need more. If we're to vote democracy, human democracy, critics versus intercessors, you know who win all the time in Nigeria? It's critics. So why do you want me in your party? Your party is already full. I can't even get position as counselor. You have taken all the positions as president, VP, Senate president, House of Rep, all the governors, deputies, all the local government, everything. Even counsel, you won't give me. So why do you want me to join the party of critics? Let me join the party of intercessors, where at least I can become minister for prayer. (laughs) But you get my analogy. And listen, the party of intercessors has very few members. So I said, listen, let me join that one. Let's contribute what? Faith. It's a spiritual substance. You are pouring it into the air. So that's the one I want to give. Satan is out there recruiting. You can't do both sides. You just make up your mind that I choose to be an intercessor so as to bring forth in this nation. Now I'm preaching particularly now for this nation. So as to bring forth the plan of God which we believe by Elton gave us when he prophesied. Do you get my point? Listen. Listen to my words now. From this country, the truth of the gospel will preach around the world. Amen. From this country, true revival will reach the Middle East. Amen. Those who will evangelize the Middle East, do the apostolic work, they will be trained down here. Amen. Yes, mark those words. They will be trained down here. Amen. They may be black, they may be Arab, I don't care, but they will be trained down here. From this country, the South America, we hear the true gospel of God. Amen. Revival will break out all over South America from this nation. Amen. Yes, it will happen. It will happen. The whole of this continent, we catch fire for Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, we are catch, listen, it's something we are fighting for. Yes, we are taking it by force. As for this country, let me even leave it like that. We have taken this one already. Amen. Say amen. Amen. In a short while, all this noise of banditry, secession, they will come to an end. Amen. Not because somebody will politically arrange it. One day the spirit will just leave. The spirit will just leave. Amen. You know one day you are going to wonder, soon, now how come we tolerated kidnapping? You start seeing the ways by which we stopped it. And you are wondering, why did we not do it sooner? But listen, don't be sad. It's a time that was just right. It became the time for freedom. So God released that spirit. Then suddenly the police knew what to do. DSS knew what to do. The army knew what to do. Vigilantes could, and these people, they could coordinate. And it became impossible to kidnap anybody and go for 30 minutes. It's not because it's natural. But because God said, thus far and no further. Let's rise to our feet. Let us pray. Let's rise to our feet. Let us pray. Can we start with thanksgiving again? I want you to take at least two minutes and give thanks for the redemption that we have in Christ Jesus. As a, as a people, 200, over 200 tribes and tongues in this country, give the Lord thanks for the redemption that we have in Christ Jesus. Give the Lord thanks for it. Say, Lord, we thank you that we are not slaves anymore. We are not slaves anymore. Our children are not slaves. They will never be slaves. It's because of Jesus. 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 I wanted to give God thanks for that.
is because of Jesus. We are not slaves anymore. It's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. Give the Lord thanks. Give the Lord thanks that we are not slaves anymore. Everybody, quickly open your Bible to the Colossians chapter 1. I want us to read it together and use it for thanksgiving. Now, where I want is um, from verse 13, but I'm trying to look for... Okay, let's start from verse 13. I'll, I'll read something then from verse 13. We'll now read together. All right, so he said that we're giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Go on, verse 13. For the rest. Wait, wait, let's wait. Let's wait. Some people are not there yet. If you are there, now say amen. amen. If you want us to wait, say, please wait for me. Okay, so we're all there together. So, he said, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance in the, of the saints in light. 13. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 16. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Let's stop there. Now what are we doing? Let's just give God thanks for this verse 13. He rescued us from the domain of darkness. He rescued us from the curse of Noah. He rescued us from slavery. I want you to thank God for that. This time around, please, in your thanksgiving, thank God for your life, but thank God for the race, your, your tribe. You're an Igbo man, you're a Jibawa man, you're a Yoruba man, you're a Fulani, whatever it is. But if you're an African, give the Lord thanks. Now, this thanksgiving applies to everybody, whether you're a descendant of Shem or Japheth. But today, we just want to give thanks for the descendants of Ham, that they've been rescued. Say, Lord, I thank you. I am not a slave anymore. <laughs> I'm not a slave anymore. There's now one body. People say that God loves the Jews. He loves me as much as he loves the Jews. He said, if you want blessing, pray for Jews. <laughs> the, the promise was to Abraham and to his seed. And that seed is Christ. And I'm in Christ. If you want blessing, pray for me. Pray for the people of God. If you want blessing, don't be wasting your time narrowing it to one particular group of people. The blessing was to Abraham and to his seed. Thank the Lord because he has called us into the sun. I want us to thank the Lord because he called us into the sun. Say, Lord, we thank you. We have been called into the sun. We have been redeemed in the sun. We have been redeemed in the sun. We are not slaves anymore. We are not under. We are not under. We thank the Lord that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. We thank him for we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. We thank him because we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Yes, in Christ we are blessed. I, I like this part of Say all ancestral curses have been broken. Give the Lord thanks for that. Over me, over my family, and I want you to take hold of your family. Say in this family, I call every ancestral curse broken. And every ancestral behavior that wants to sustain it, I break it in the name of Jesus. I command that in that family to not succeed. In that family to not succeed. Ancestral curse have been broken. You see, God has raised you in that family to take authority. He raised you in that family to make sure that the bondage of Satan does not continue. Take a minute and pray for your family, out of which you came. No matter the activity of the devil in that house, don't settle for this ancestral curse thing. Say, 
my siblings, my father, my mother, my younger one, whatever it is, they need Christ. I say in the name of Jesus, Father God, draw them into Christ. Draw them. Holy Spirit, draw them. Send laborers into their harvest. Let them hear a word. Lord, let them hear a word. How can they hear except somebody goes to preach to them? How can somebody go except they are sent? Say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, send a laborer into their harvest. Father, have mercy upon my family. You are the one that can pray for them. If they were worshipping idols from today, I bind in that home the spirit of idolatry. You have that authority. You are listening to me, you can hear the word of God. So you have authority. They are worshipping all kinds of gods. Say, not anymore. I command those gods to disappear. I command those gods to fail. I command them to be exposed. They are a lie. I say the time of their judgment has come. They are a lie. The time of their judgment has come. They did not make the heavens. They did not make the earth. As it is written, they will perish from this earth and from under the heavens. Say, my family, no idolatry. No more false religion. There are all kinds of religions that pretend to be Christianity. Even them, reject them. Except Christ is lifted up as holy. I reject every religion in my family that does not magnify the name of Jesus all by himself. There is one God. There is one Savior. There is one mediator between God and man. Say that truth be established in my home. Be established in my family. Be established in my home. Be established in my family. In the name of Jesus, I listen. I stand as an intercessor on behalf of my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, my extended family. And I say no more idolatry. No more idolatry. These are the things that keep black people in bondage. They celebrate witchcraft. No more idolatry. No more idolatry. We declare no more idolatry. We will serve God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our Savior Jesus alone, in the power of the Holy Spirit. No more idolatry. Listen to this testimony again. I've told it countless times, but I just can't help telling it again. A man, a prince in the Benin kingdom, his father was an Oba of Benin. I heard him preach once when I went for full gospel dinner in Benin. Years ago, long ago now. So it's not today. That means at least 28 years, 27, 28 years ago. And he told a story of how his wife and the children, they were going to church. He didn't think anything of it. That's, what, that's the part of it I like. He thought, you know, the Onyibo people brought another God called Jesus. So he didn't used to go to church. He went to church. It didn't concern him. What he did not know was that they were praying. That's why I'm telling the story. His wife and his children prayed idolatry out of his life. They did. They did. They would gather and pray. Daddy didn't used to disturb. He was a well-to-do man. And a, a, a chartered accountant trained in the U.K., he said those days in the 70s, he had over a million naira. Now, if you know, that time, that's like having in today over 500 million naira. So he said, I had money. He said, my gods have been good to me. So he didn't see why he should change the gods. 
There's a special room. He kept all of them inside. Poured libation, offered sacrifices. Nobody entered but him. Some things, water must never touch. Some women must never touch. He lived like that for years. Until the night somebody woke him up. He woke up. He knew somebody woke him up. He looked. He didn't see anybody. And the person that woke him up told him to get up. And he got up. And he said, if you are wondering why I was obeying somebody I could not see, he says, because you have, been in the, you have not been in the occult. He said, if you have been there, you will know when a power bigger than you is instructing you. We know who that power is now. He testified concerning who the power is himself later. And the person said, go and pack all those golds, all those shigidis you've been carrying for decades. Some he had had since he was a young man. At that time, he was 60-something. And he entered into the place, packed them into two big boxes. So he had not driven in years, but he had to drive that night because that person said, put them in your car. 3 a.m. was 3 a.m. Put his stuff in his car. He was instructed to drive to a particular river in Benito. was the name of the river. He parked on the bridge on top of the river, and the person said, threw the boxes into the water. He came and hauled both boxes and threw them into the water. And the person said, now you can go home. At that time, it was 4 a.m., and he drove back home. That was the end of idolatry in his life. He did not try to repent. He didn't even see. You repent when you think you are wrong, Abby. Yes. He didn't even think he was wrong. He said, This is the life. As for my wife and my children, they said not to serve this God I'm serving. No problem. They can go to that Jesus they brought from somewhere. Another Shigidi somewhere. That's what he thought. What he did not know was that his wife and his children they were praying. I just want to give you a testimony. That in that family, you can pray. A friend of mine called me one day, he went home, and false prophets, white garment, they've taken over the home. He came back to, we're students, came back to the hostel and called me and another of our friends and said, look at what happened. And we had just read, you know, in recent times that time, Authority of the Believer by Kennedy Hagen. So we use him as target practice. We joined hands, three of us, three young men on campus. I remember very well, I was still a teenager. I know he did your 20. The guy himself was about my age. We joined our hands. And I remember my guy, he lives in America now. He was the one that ended, we just prayed. Then he ended the prayer. Everything didn't take 15 minutes. He said, you foul spirit disturbing the home of our brother. We command you in the name of Jesus to cease. And we command you to get out now in Jesus' name. Amen. And we began to give thanks. That's all he prayed. <laughs> the guy went back home. His father woke up one morning. I said, what is happening to me? Ordered all the false prophets out of the house. Cleaned the whole place up. This guy went back. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. This prayer, we prayed a few days ago. One of our sisters, one day called me and said, please pray with me about what? That the, her father is heartbroken. Why? The only brother she has, has started misbehaving. That now they found that he was smoking. And that the day he found the cigarette, his father was heartbroken. So what do you want me to do? Please pray with me. We know we are the authority of the believer. We use that one again for target practice. <laughs> and we prayed like they said, you false spirit, the God of this world, disturbing this boy, not allowing him to see. We command you in the name of Jesus to stop. And we command the light of God to shine upon him. I saw him about a month later. He was heading for a crusade. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. He came to our school. I met him. He, he woke up one day and asked himself, what kind of life am I living? He went, looked for the first fellowship he could find, gave his life to Christ. 
change his friends on the spot, change his music, change everything, change his dressing overnight. When you are related with people, you have power over them. Pray for your family again. Say no my idolatry. Bind that idol. Especially if you know it, bind it. Face it right now. Oh, this is the time you need to clench your fist in the spirit and say, you evil spirit, come out of my house, get out of my house. You have a right in the family. You have a right in the family. Say in the name of Jesus. I bind you. By the power of the name of Jesus. I have rights in that family. That your brother that started joining Yahoo boys. Joining cultists. Command him to be confused. In that place. That the light of Christ may shine upon him and draw him out. Say father in the name of Jesus. Bring him out. Say father in the name of Jesus. Bring him out. Bring him out. 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 Call his name. Say, see light. Call her name. Say, see light. From your belly, pray for that, your family. For that brother. I say, hey, God, I will share your body. Say, I command light to shine upon you. Say, Father, I open the door of light into that home. No more idolatry. No more idolatry. No more idolatry. No more idolatry. I dedicate that home to Jesus. Say, Jesus, you are the king of kings. I don't care what anybody else is saying. I invoke the name of the king of kings over that family. Say, King of Kings, reign in my home. King of Kings, reign. 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 In Jesus' name. Every family was covered for a purpose. You may not know, but there's a purpose. One day I found out that one of my cousins, of course I knew this long ago, but I just thought about it. After my dad passed out here and I said that he's very senior to me, he was a cousin of mine. He's a preacher too. In fact, when he then Undo State Governor entered office, he was the one that poured oil on his head to anoint him. In fact, they called him, my friends were in the accurate then. He said he's a pastor of pastors. It's my cousin. So I reasoned, I said, hey, so this family was cut out to produce preachers of the word. I say it's good. <laughs> Some families have been cut out to produce intercessors. Some have been called out by God, really, to produce you know, financial pillars for the kingdom. Some have been called out to produce missionaries. Some have been called out to produce people who educate even the, most, the dullest of children and they'll become bright. Pray for that family. Say, you will fulfill your destiny. Because idolatry is why people are not fulfilling their destiny. Say, Lord, just like Hannah gave you Samuel, on behalf of my family, I give you everything. Destiny be fulfilled. Why you carved us out, be fulfilled. Destiny be fulfilled. Lord, we will bear your name. 
Jesus will glorify you. No more foreign gods. No more idols. No traditional idols. Idols of chieftaincy title that people are pursuing. Lord, disgrace the idols by yourself. In the name of Jesus. Disgrace these idols by yourself. Scatter them. But I, I yield my family to you to fulfill the destiny that God created for them, that God created them for from the beginning. Yes, I give you my authority. Ride into that home, Lord, with truth. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now, in the same manner, let us do this one, then we'll close. Say, concerning Nigeria, we pray in the same way. You see the way you pray for your family? Pray for this nation. Say, no more idolatry. Yes, say, idolatry will not survive. Idolatry will not survive in this nation. Say, now, I want, I want you to specifically pray this one. Please, give me a second. Please, give me a second. Give me a second. Please, I want you to pray specifically like that. Anyone I, from the north to the Atlantic south, hmm? from the east to the west and every corner, that Lord, pour poverty upon anyone that does rituals for money. Let them be poorer than usual. Let them be supernaturally poor. Let confusion come upon them. Begin to pray. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, this nonsense must stop. Frustration. If they did it 10 years ago, poverty starts today. Now pray for the whole nation that no more idolatry. Idolatry will not thrive. We yield Nigeria to the Lord Jesus. And we say no more idolatry. Say Jesus reign in Nigeria. Jesus reign. Jesus reign in Nigeria. Jesus reign. Jesus reign. Say, Lord, rain from the north to the south. Rain from the east to the west. Rain in Abuja. And every space in between these places, rain. In every state of this federation, Lord, rain. Say, Lord, rain. Mention at least two states in the north. Say, Lord, rain in Zamfara, rain in Katsina, rain in Bauchi, rain in Jigawa, rain in Sokoto, rain in Benu, rain in Bono, rain, rain in Adamawa, Lord, rain in Taraba. Mention at least two in the west. Say, Lord, rain in Lagos, rain in Nondo, rain in Ekiti, rain in Oshu, Lord, rain. Lord, rain in Oyo. Every state of western Nigeria. Mention states in the middle belt. Lord, rain in Kogi. Rain in Benue. Lord, rain. Rain in Nasarawa. Lord, rain. Rain in Niger. Mention states in the east. Lord, rain. Rain in Enugu. Rain in Anambra. Rain in Eboy. Rain in Abia. Rain in Nimo. Every, every state in southeast, 
in South South, mention at least two states. Lord, Raining River State, Raining Cross River, Raining Aquaibo, Raining Edo, Raining Delta. Lord Jesus, rain. Rain. No foreign God, no idol will survive in any of these states in the name of Jesus. As a church of God in Nigeria, we command them to fail. In Jesus' name. Please, before we, I want us to read a scripture over this country. It's a scripture we read it all the time. We're going to read about Nigeria in a moment. But I want you to say again, hmm? specifically. Say, Lord, anybody that kills any human being in ritual towards political office next time, Lord, we command him to fail. Amen. That is, God, don't use him again. Amen. Don't even tolerate him for, for two years there. Lord, let him fail. Let her fail. Let them fail. Amen. Let this juju man die. Amen. Lord, shock him with failure. Amen. Shock them with failure. Amen. Let the, the, the blood of the innocent that was shed, let it cry against them. Amen. Lord, hear and judge. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. No matter how hidden they have surrounded themselves somewhere in their fortresses. Lord, you know you... <laughs> Yeah, the judge. David said, even if I go to the bottom of the ocean, yeah, there. Yes. What do they want to hide? Arise, O oh Lord, let your enemies be scattered. Amen. Lord, let the dwells of evil be scattered. Amen. Anyone that kidnaps anybody, kills the person, buries the person, alive or dead, Lord, let your judgment be against that household. Amen. But the reason they did it, let it not prosper. Amen. That's the one, you see, that one in my body is strong. Let that reason not prosper. Amen. Let it be the reason they will fail. Amen. Lord, shock them by elevating the righteous. Amen. Shock them, Lord, by elevating the righteous. Amen. The one who they thought was a small man, a small woman, put that person there. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I don't know whether it's become law, but I heard that Nigeria now wants people, whether you're a party or not, you can register. Yeah, I think, is this still, a, is this still proposing it? I don't know. But whatever it is, Lord, use that thing to shame some people. Amen. It was one young man somewhere, one young woman on his own, just go and buy a form and submit to INEC. They, as they are running up and down, let them feel, let that person be installed. Amen. To show that indeed you are God. Amen. That's all we are interested in, you know. It's not as if we don't know anybody. We are not mentioning anybody's name. What we are just saying is that it will not happen again in this nation that the wicked will prosper. Amen. Why the righteous is suffering. Amen. No, no. Lord, be the defense of the righteous. Amen. Be the defender of the righteous. Amen. Lord, be their judge. Amen. Stand for them. Amen. Promote them. Amen. Bring down evil people. Amen. But we know this must happen. For that which you promise to come to pass. Amen. Later on, people of God will begin to talk about to declare the judgments of God. It's important. You don't have to be angry with anybody. No, my enemy is that. Who is it? Who? I believe you out of this thing. We're talking about the kingdom of God. We're talking about the enthronement of righteousness. In this nation, righteousness will be enthroned. Amen. Righteousness will be enthroned. Amen. Let's open our Bibles. Jeremiah chapter 10. Quickly, we'll read this one and we'll close with it. It's a portion you know, you know very well. I'm sure many of you won't bother opening to it again. I, I said in my house when we were reading, my children don't bother to. Once I managed Jeremiah chapter 10, they just all dropped their Bible, dropped their devices. They just are looking to the sky. 
But all these old men, all the cares of the world, not the agreeing and remember things again. And the Lord deliver you from cares in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you have said, Pastor, what about you? Who today I don't know you by heart? The Lord is good. So we're going to read from verse 6 as usual to verse 16. Now this time around, please, in your mind's eye, you are declaring this over this nation. You are using it to eject every evil out of this nation. So let's read together. One, two, let's go. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name in might. Who will not fear you, O King of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. But they are altogether stupid and foolish. In their discipline of delusion, their idol is wood. Beating silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Ophaz. The work of a craftsman and of the hands of a goldsmith. Violet and purple are their clothing. They are all the work of skilled men. But the Lord is the true God, is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath the earthquakes and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus you shall say to them, The God that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. Read that again. Thus you shall say to them, The God that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. 12. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and it causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. It makes lightning for the rain, and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every ghostmate is put to shame by his idols. For the molten images are deceitful, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery. And the time of their punishment, they will perish. The portion of Jacob is not like this, for the maker of all is he. And Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Somebody say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Say it again. Jesus is Lord. One more time. 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 Jesus. For the last time, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.